attempt to change the channel because I'm on all of them. Welcome to the St. Canard Files, a Darkwing Duck podcast. I'm your host, hideous, beakless mutant Mike Russo. And it's really good to be back after six weeks of not recording any episodes. We had our bonus episodes. I hope everyone enjoyed those. But now we're back to talk about an episode of Darkwing Duck. Unfortunately, Will could not make the record. He was not feeling good this weekend. So I have a very special guest on. I have my friend, Bill Yudesky. Hi, Bill. Hello. How's it going? It's great. Thank you for being here tonight. Um, I know you're a really big, not just Darkwing Duck, a Disney Afternoon fan. So it's great to have you aboard for this episode. Absolutely. Uh, I'm honored to be a part of it. And uh, I've enjoyed uh, uh, channeling into uh, the St. Canard Files uh, for, for a long time. And it's uh, great to be a part of it. Well, it's great to have you. Now, Bill, um, as we ask everybody who's new to the podcast, um, how did you get into Darkwing Duck? Well, uh, like most people my age, uh, I'm in my 30s. I got to uh, experience Darkwing from the beginning. Um, I remember Ooh. watching him uh, dance or kind of move across the screen during the Disney Afternoon uh, credit sequence in 1990. And I was like, what is this character? And flash forward to a year later, we finally got to find out. And uh, I got to watch him uh for most part uh, for the most part through the entire series uh i didn't get to chance to watch a lot of the abc episodes too often because i was uh, involved in uh basketball and a lot of other uh, extracurriculars when i was uh younger but yeah. um i was i was pretty much there uh every afternoon coming home from school uh and just uh sitting down with uh probably a bowl of cereal <laughs> and uh watching uh the terror of the flaps in the night Fantastic. And I know you're not just, of course, a fan of Darkwing Duck. You're a fan of all it is in the afternoon. I do know there's one show you love more than Darkwing, though. Yes. What and would that, that be? That would be Tailspin. And there's a big reason why you're on this episode. There is a Tailspin connection here. We'll get we're not going to we're not going to spill the beans yet, though. Uh, no, no, we'll we'll wait until uh, later to explain that connection. But um, yeah, I know how much you love Tailspin. Who's your favorite Tailspin character? That would be that might be a spoiler though if I uh, say who my favorite character is. So maybe we okay. should hold off. Okay, we'll wait then. We'll wait. Okay. <laughs> okay, really quick. What's your favorite Darkwing episode and your favorite Darkwing villain? Uh, my favorite villain is uh, uh, the villain that is a part of this episode, and that would be uh, old uh, Sputter Spark. Uh, that's uh, Megavolt himself. That is so like you. <laughs> and we'll hear that later today. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And uh, I'd probably say, uh, like many other people that have been on the podcast and have expressed it themselves, uh, I'd probably say my favorite episode is uh, Life, the Negaverse, and, and everything. Just about everybody has said that. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I have a whole bunch of other favorites, but that's that's probably the cream of the crop. Yeah, it really is. It's one of the very best. Okay, well, let's start talking about our episode. Uh, what's it titled, Bill? This uh, episode's title is Twitching Channels. All right. And, okay, so this episode was the first one to air in 1992. Um, the original air date was Wednesday, February 5th. 1992. This one starts off a run of a dozen episodes throughout that winter. 
that I think for me are my like my my favorite single run of Darkwing episodes. Uh, we have five strong Sunwoo episodes in a row. We have the last batch of Disney Japan episodes. We have some long delayed Disney France episodes. We got a couple of Quacker Jack and Megavolt pairings. And we only really have one clunker of this entire dozen, which is pretty amazing. This is a hugely consistent batch of episodes, um, which pretty much represents like the very end of what should have been the original 64 episode production run. Um, which had to be changed when ABC grabbed 13 episodes and they had to make more. So that um, that happens within this batch. Right. And um, it had been almost seven weeks since the last episode, since the Christmas one. So it had been the longest anybody would have had to have gone so far without new Darkwing. I remember for me it was an eternity. And <laughs> by this point, the Disney afternoon credits with the previews had long stopped corresponding to what was actually airing. So there was no way to know what was going to be coming up. I did see the preview for this episode probably sometime in January. And I remember vividly the preview included Megavolt as the piece of toast. (laughs) And I knew the episode existed, but I just didn't know when it was going to air. So all I had to do was keep recording every day just to make sure I hit it. Um, so February 5th, 1992, Twitching Channels first aired. Um, it was 61st by production number, not the latest we've done, but you know, 61, that's still really late. Sure. And our story editor was Kevin Crosby Hops. And, uh, we have our amazing three person writing team. Um, our friend Jim Peterson and his writing partners, John Benke and Rob Humphreys. This is... What they were to Bushroot and It's a Wonderful Leaf, I think they are to Megavolt in this episode. Like, yes. this is an amazing Bushroot episode. I think you'd agree, right, Bill? Yeah, essentially. I mean, I feel like that that's the style they were going for, was to infuse that um, comic flair. Uh, and, and, I mean, it is great writing, but it, it really does lend itself to, to Megavolt in this episode. Absolutely. And um, also, of course, the animation. Like I said, this is the first of five consecutive episodes done by Sun Wu. Um, you know, we've talked about, me and Will have talked about Sun Wu off and on a lot because they were the most frequent animator for Darkwing episodes. What do you think of Sun Wu, Bill? Uh, I appreciate what they come up with. I mean, uh, they're, they're pretty uh, accurate when it comes to, um, you know, really bringing the, uh, the animation alive. Um, but you know, they're, they have, they have their slip up sometime, but they're, they're still pretty solid in their presentation. I think Darkwing was lucky that the character designs were so solid. So I think Sun Wu really couldn't screw that up. Um, I think after a while when it came to like Goof Troop or Bonkers, if it was a Sun Wu episode, it might not have held my attention, but some of my favorite Darkwing episodes from a writing standpoint are Sun Wu episodes. Most of what um, Jim, John, and Rob wrote ended up at Sun Wu. And the, their writing totally made up for the animation, I believe. And I think they have a great knack for doing Megavolt episodes, too. Yeah. Um, haven't they done uh, uh, additional Megavolt episodes down the line as well? They did a Revolution in Home Appliances, and they did Megavolt in both the Justice Ducks episodes and they're going to do Megavolt in Time and Punishment, as well as the Frequency Fiends. So they did a few Megavolt episodes. So speaking of Megavolt, 
he is the first character we're introduced to in this one. Yes. And that's very common for Megavolt. He usually shows up pretty early, doesn't he? Yeah, everybody wants to get a, a glimpse of what he's up to. And our TV references, because this is a big TV episode, start off immediately. What is the very first reference we get? Uh, that would be, Goosey, I'm home. Oh, That's what a, do you th- Yeah. I love Lucy. <laughs> of course it is. It's amazing how many references Darkwing had that I think someone under maybe 18 might not get now. I mean, does I Love Lucy or Gilligan's Island even air on TV anymore? <laughs> And back uh, then. Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, I guess kids nowadays don't have Nick at night anymore. Yeah, back then every kid got the reference because usually this stuff still aired on broadcast television. Right. So we get we get the TV right away. He's flipping through channels. You know, we hear the Lucy parody. We hear a game show. uh, We see a car chase. And um, so Megavolt shows up. And this is. This is pretty much an entire first act of just Megavolt. Like, he's having such a great time in this one. And, like, this is the best Megavolt has been in a long time, I feel. I agree. And who is he talking to, Bill? Uh, He's talking to uh, an audience of home appliances, lamps and uh, electronics, and uh, they're all they're all <laughs> just uh, lauding him uh, on his latest uh, invention. It's actually pretty cute. And um, <laughs> his opening dialogue is something that um, was similar to something from uh, comic book capers, but they've expanded it. Um, I think he says, they called me crazy. They called me insane. They called me loony. And boy, were they right. Um, I love it. It's, 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 that's to Megavolt what I'm not really sinister, just misunderstood was to Bushroot. Right, right. I, I also noticed that callback to comic book capers. And what's his invention? That would be the electrolyzer. So tell us a little bit about what happens now. What's, what, what's going on? What, what can Megavolt do now? Uh, he has this device that apparently can allow him to manipulate, uh, uh, I guess, uh, radio waves, television waves, and he can, uh, well, actually, he can enter uh, uh, electrical components at will, Yeah. but eventually he makes his way uh, into uh, a television. Right. First, he gets stuck in the toaster, which is where, you, where I mentioned the uh, Megavolt as a piece of toast, and he gets <laughs> stuck in a blender, and yeah, then the television, and then that gives him an idea. He can come out of people's TVs and rob them. This is perfect for him because yes. he shows up. The, the first parody we get, he shows up, and it's what classic late-night talk show, Bill? That's uh, uh, definitely to- to The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Yep. He comes in and does uh, Johnny's famous golf swing. And I nice. also wanted to note – yeah, I also wanted to note uh, uh, while he's doing the golf swing, you could hear the music. And uh, me being the music buff that I am, I noticed that it is like almost almost note for note to to what uh, the the theme song was, but it's just changed ever so slightly as to avoid that uh, copyright law, you know. <laughs> right, right. And this piece of music was actually in Adopticon. It's the music the Penguins were playing to distract Drake from Tuscanini's schemes. Yes. So yes, this I actually, know. yeah. And um. Yeah, so he makes a comment, you know, no applause, just throw money. 
And then he's like, yeah, I, I'll just I'll just take some of my own. And then uh, Megavolt goes on a crime spree. Tell us about this crime spree. What what different places does he show up in? Well, uh, first off, he uh, uh, decides to uh, head off to Hamburger Hippo, where we see the uh, the uh, uh, ever so uh, uh, relaxed cook watching uh, <laughs> television, and uh, he gets uh, uh, some change from him. And the uh, the cook, I guess, is also played by Jim. He definitely uh, sounds like Jim. It's definitely Jim, and uh, he's just slightly confused, and he's like, "Thank you, come again." <laughs> Megavolt's having a time of his life doing this stuff. I love it when Megavolt's enjoying himself. Yes, yes, it's definitely fun. Uh, and then the next place he goes to is uh, an electronics store. Um, I couldn't place the voice that does uh, the, I guess the uh, the clerk, the store clerk. Yeah. Let's but, uh, let's discuss this now, Bill. The credits for this episode are a complete mess. The ones that are attached to the episode and the credits on IMDb are not accurate in the slightest. They no. credit they credit voice actors Susan Tolsky, um, Katie Lee, Tino and Sonia. None of these people were in this episode. Yes, so that is correct. <laughs> we've been talking back and forth for a while, me and Bill, trying to figure out what exactly happened here. And it hasn't been easy. I'd love to find out like exactly who some of these voice actors actually were. But we don't know who played some of these characters, so I, we don't have IDs on some of these guys. So um, Megavolt pops out of the TVs in the electronics store. Like, like six Megavolts pop up. They steal six TVs and go back into their six TVs. It was actually a really cool repeated piece of animation. It's neat. I was I was just going to say that animation I just loved. I thought it was great. And when it's, it's actually impressive that they – we're able to get the arms to go over and still bring the, the, the TV sets back into the, the screen that he was in. So that was uh, that was pretty neat. Once in a while, some move surprises you. Sure. So um, now here's Drake, finally. We're a few minutes in. We're finally getting to see Drake. He's helping um, Herb carry this huge box into his house. Herb does not hold the box. He opens the door. So, of course, Drake crashes with this gigantic box. Herb <laughs> opens the box reaches deep inside and what does he pull out it's his all new state-of-the-art turbo technic remote control <laughs> i mean big for remote control but much too small to fit in that giant box and, <laughs> yeah. and here's darkwing duck predicting you know decades or decades before apps that pretty much do everything for you because this re remote control can do everything from popping his popcorn to turning on the tv and I think, what is it, it even turns on the vacuum cleaner? Yes. It, it sucks up Drake's butt. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so he's got a Turbo Technic. You know, it pops the popcorn up something fierce. I love it when Herb talks like that. Something fierce. Um, so, yeah, they turn on the TV. And who's on the TV? That's uh, old Sputter Spark one more time, Megavolt. <laughs> uh, he's on Jeopardy. Um, other contestants are a, are a couple of rats. <laughs> and <laughs> That's he mentions, very fitting. What? It's very fitting that he's with a, a couple of his quote-unquote own kind. And he does mention Alex, so you know straight away this definitely is Jeopardy. And, uh, yeah, so Drake grabs the remote and tries to switch through every channel, and we see Megavolt, like, everywhere he switches to. What are some of the outfits he's wearing? 
Uh, well, let's see. Um, well, first he's on Jeopardy. Uh, the next, uh, he's on the Opal Windbag show. Oh, who is that supposed to be? Oh, that's, uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of people would figure that one out. Um, that's pretty much uh, Oprah Winfrey, voiced by Tress McNeil. Yeah, she's not in the credits, but we're pretty sure that's Tress McNeil. Yes. Um, but she's also on a cooking show, which is also similar to Julia Child. Uh, a Western, a used car commercial, a jungle show, and a space mm -hmm. show. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's just great because, you know, Dan Castellan is having so much fun just laughing and doing the Julia Child voice. It's so funny. And then Drake almost gives his identity away. Yes. Either this is a job for, and Herb's like, who? You? <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so Megavolt pops up in TVs in his own hideout, which is very interesting because it almost foreshadows the Frequency Fiend. Um, several months down the line, he shows up in three different colors. Yeah, it's and, a little, uh, I guess, uh, foreshadowing. And then, then of course, we get Darkwing. We get an entrance line. He says, "I am the low rating that cancels your program." <laughs> I love it when it's relevant. Oh, and, absolutely. Uh, so they have a fight. A quick fight. He pulls out a plunger, and Megavolt laughs. He goes, "What are you gonna do? Unclog my sink?" <laughs> <laughs> and um, so Megavolt tries to escape through the TV. Darkwing grabs his feet, ends up in the TV with him. And then, what do we cut to first? A soap opera, right? Yes, the old and the worthless. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it is not as clever as a young and the featherless from Ducktales, but it's, that's still pretty funny. Yes. And um, so you have a soap opera actress. Again, I'm pretty sure that's Tress. That's Tress and for sure. Very funny. She mentions three men by name. She mentions Jim, John, and Rob. That's, of course, Jim Peterson, John Banky, and Rob Humphreys. How could that not be? And, um, I mean, I have that verified by Jim Peterson himself. So that definitely was the intent. Nice uh, little yeah, it's nice. And they go from that episode to uh, that TV show to a science show. Tell us about that. Uh, the show is called Mr. Electron, which I'm pretty sure is similar to, uh, well, back in, when, what, from what I remember, uh, Mr. Wizard. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure similar uh, programs to that back in the day. But um, I, I believe that gentleman is voiced by Mark Taylor. Right. We're going to hear him again, right? Yes, we are. Um, and I think you were explaining to me that he is essentially a, uh, uh, a reused character model from uh, back. Uh, w w which episode was that again? Beauty and the Beat. Beauty and the Beat. And uh, what was the character's name? I don't know if he was Larson or Gary, but he's he's obviously one of them. Right. <laughs> so Megavolt shows up and shocks the guy right in the butt. Um, great stock scream. You you know where that scream came from, right? I think you researched it. I did. I did a little bit of research, and it's referred to. Uh, it's not the Wilhelm scream, which that's used a lot in film and uh, television, but it, this one is actually called the Howie scream, or it's also called the Howie Long scream because apparently it was used in. Uh, apparently, uh, Howie Long's character death in uh, the '96. Uh, film Broken Arrow, but apparently this clip originates from a 1980 film called The Ninth Configuration. I didn't do much uh, 
uh, diving into what that movie's about, but that's essentially what it's from, something back in 1980. So, yeah, very interesting. And it is it is an unforgettable scream. Like the scream indicates this guy is in pain. Um, <laughs> I think it's great. I like this more than the Wilhelm scream personally. Um, right. So Megavolt turns around. He sees a device called a Kajillion Transmutonic Atom Splitter. And of course, I wrote that down. I couldn't memorize that thing. Uh, <laughs> he plans to trap Darkwing in a Peterson feedback loop. At first, I thought that was just nonsense. Ah, ha, ha, Peterson. The writer's name was Peterson. Oh, that's nonsense. That's just a joke. But yeah, a Peterson feedback loop is an actual thing. Just to simplify it, it's when a system's output circles back around to its input. Basically, it's just going around in a circle. So basically, what, what Megavolt wants to do is basically trap Darkwing going around in a systematic circle. And like you said, to be sucking feedback for weeks. Sucking static <laughs> for weeks. Um, that's, a, that's a pretty terrible fate for Darkwing. Uh, luckily, Darkwing shows up, nails Megavolt with a boxing glove, and in um, and what does he do? He um, he hits the machine, and this great great line. It's like one word from uh, Megavolt. Darkwing goes, "It's not supposed to do. Is it supposed to do that?" And Megavolt goes, "No." <laughs> <laughs> That's great, Dan. Right there, love it. Dan could take one syllable and make it total gold. <laughs> so you know they get zapped and all of a sudden they get spit out of a tv in a shopping mall what do they see uh well they see a bunch of hideous beakless mutants coming at them yep human beings to be more precise <laughs> uh megavolt runs away so we actually don't see megavolt for in this entire next act really um, and of course, Darkwing, you know, sees all these people, it's shoppers in a mall going crazy, buying stuff. And again, they're human beings. Um, I mean, I'll say it up front. I'm not a really big fan of how they drew human beings on these Disney television shows back then. Um, it takes a, it takes a little bit of time to get used to it. Um, and I mentioned it more when, um, another human character shows up, but three kids show up to talk to Darkwing. This is why you're on the episode, Bill. So take it away from here. Yes, yes. Well, I will say that uh, um, one of the kids' name is uh, well, well, the one the one girl is played by Sherry Lynn, who mm -hmm. uh, she's been in a lot of uh, um, uh, animation, uh, a lot of different uh, TV shows, uh, stemming back from probably the 80s. Um, uh, the the one uh, African American kid, I'm not quite sure who voiced him. But the third one is the one reason I'm on here. Uh, well, one of the many reasons, and that's uh, because it's R.J. Williams, who uh, was famous in Disney Afternoon lore uh, for voicing Kit Cloud Kicker in Tailspin. The second he walks on screen and you hear the voice, you know exactly who that is. Absolutely. Uh, I, I recognize him uh, uh, in, in anything, really. But, yeah, I... I um. I remember actually he played one of the ca cabins from uh, the uh, the Adventures of Gummy Bears. Yes, and I think I think he was he was the last cabin. I think he was the best cabin. Personally, yeah, he has a really good way of enunciating and, and giving a lot of uh, emotion to the characters that he plays. It's just something he does naturally. And just random trivia before we move on: the two of the other cabins, believe it or not, one was Jason Marsden. You know, the future Max Goof. Yes. The other one was David Faustino from, from Married with Children. 
Mm -hmm. But I do think R.J. Williams was the best Kevin. I think uh, he had a he just he, it, you know, Kevin was isn't a major role because he wasn't like a major character at that point in Gummy Bears. But the episodes Williams is on, he does a really good job of it. But obviously, Kit Cloud Kicker is his, you know, that's his character. And Kit is special to you. Oh, yeah. He is the uh, he's my favorite Tailspin character and probably uh, next to Darkwing Duck, who comes in at a very, very, very close second. He is my all time favorite Disney afternoon character. Well, at least you get to hear the two voices interact, at least. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it was a great experience as a kid and it's still uh, still entertains me to this day. But check out those late 80s, early 90s fashions, huh? Yes, I was just going to say the, the neon and the. Uh, uh, the Madonna look for the one girl, and uh, yeah, that that was uh, <laughs> that was entertaining. Very dated. The big puffy like socks around the ankles, you know, it's definitely. It's just a shame we don't know who played the African American kid. Yeah, I, I wish I, I tried to do some digging, but I couldn't figure that out. Also, if you're trying to figure out like the voice from Sherry Lynn, that little girl, uh, think of Marilyn Pickell from Bonkers. If you're familiar with that show. I know I like the show, but whatever. That's neither here or there. That's one of the other characters she played. Yeah, she also played a one-off character in uh, one of the episodes uh, uh, on a wing and a bear um, from Tailspin. She played, uh, I think it's Karen Throgmorton, who was the she was the daughter of the uh, 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 the guy that was threatening to uh, fail or flunk Baloo from uh, pilot school. Oh, that's like the ABCs of. Uh piloting right yes yes exactly <laughs> i know tailspin pretty well not as good as darkwing but i'm a big tailspin fan yeah. so these kids start asking the hard questions the ones the kids at home have been asking does launchpad change his clothes or do all his clothes just look the same <laughs> uh they ask where goslin is and this is the big one when you're drake mallard what job do you have <laughs> and that question wouldn't be definitively answered until uh, the Boom Comics came, where it was explained that he was living off a shush stipend. And since the comics are considered canon, there's pretty much your answer there, which that makes sense, right? Sure, sure. So, of course, this, this episode is just crazy meta, because they're watching Darkwing Duck on the TVs in the mall. And um, you hear the theme song. You see clips from that sinking feeling. Um, those clips weren't like in mind when they wrote it. But it's funny they're using clips from an episode that was not animated by Sun Wu, a completely different studio. And what makes it funny is that Darkwing comments they can't draw his beak right. It's drawn too big. <laughs> and he's like, except they drew my beak all wrong. No duck has a bill that big. That's a running gag throughout the entire episode. Yeah, and I don't know if you could hear it because it's kind of buried in the background a little bit. The announcer on the show says Darkwing Duck will be right back after a barrage of merchandising messages. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny to think like a kid could be watching TV now streaming or something and really not see commercials anymore. Right, like, right. My kid watches a lot of TV, but it's all streaming, so she doesn't watch commercials. Thank goodness, because she doesn't have. She's not asking me for specific things for Christmas or her birthday. But <laughs> as a kid, you know, you watched a lot of commercials. It's just what you did, and commercials might advertise all the stuff we see in the toy store that Darkwing gets a load of in a minute. Yeah. Uh, 
see Darkwing some toys, toys and t-shirts and uh, board games. I think the writers were anticipating Darkwing merchandise being a lot bigger than it actually was. <laughs> I mean, there were lots of Darkwing merchandise. I mean, those Playmates toys were a godsend. But this episode treats Darkwing like a phenomenon, like on like a Power Ranger level. Which, yes, that would have been cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, and maybe another uh, alternate universe, uh, perhaps, yes. <laughs> and he's still running episode 30 years later. <laughs> but uh, Darkwing realizes pretty quickly that he's not getting a cent of the money that's being made from this merchandise. And he wants to know, you know, who makes the show? Who makes these Darkwing Duck cartoons? And the kids mention Thaddeus Rockwell makes the cartoons. Uh, before we even see who this character is, let's dissect that name a little bit. Bill, who created Darkwing Duck in real life? That would be the amazing and creative Tad Stones. The amazing and creative, which makes this character we're about to meet even more ironic. Um, <laughs> Tad Stones, Thaddeus Rockwell. I don't know why it took me a good 15, 20 years to actually get that play on words, but obviously, that's obviously Tad Stones, Thaddeus Rockwell. So Darkwing goes to the cartoon studio. And he walks in, and as soon as he walks in, three staff members looking at a storyboard see him coming and scatter. Now, I had to find out who these guys were. Um, I was writing Darkwing reviews um, for Facebook a few years back, and I had to ask Tad, who are these guys? Who are these guys supposed to be? Tad was able to ID two of them. One of them was animation director Robert Zamboni, and the other was producer Alan Zasloff. Um, I don't have an idea on who the third guy was. Not sure who it could have been. Um, someone, uh, Jim Peterson said it might have been Toby Shelton, but he's not sure of that. Um, I think that's really cool. Like a, a really cool Easter egg that m most people are not going to get. And then we also meet a secretary who has her nose buried in a book. Um, I had to find out who this was too. So, uh, so I asked Jim Peterson about her too. This woman was based on Tad's secretary, Susan McElroy, um, who he says was usually found reading or playing solitaire on her computer. So the caricature was actually pretty on. Um, he's, he, but but uh, Jim said she was a really great, really great woman, really great worker. So it's, it wasn't a dig at anybody. But, you know, I was every time I watched this, episode, I'm like, who is this woman with her nose in a book? I want to know who this is. It's so specific. You know, and now we know. Thank you, Jim, for letting me know who that actually was. Um, Darkwing tries was to go hot. Yeah, I had to know because this episode's too meta for it to be totally random. Right. Uh, so Darkwing tries to walk right in. She drops an anvil on him. And he says, I should expect this from a cartoon studio. He <laughs> finally makes his way inside. And we do meet, you know, we meet Thaddeus Rockwell and we meet his little toadying assistant, Crosby. Um, Crosby, the name is definitely, I know this for a fact, comes from the story editor, Kevin Crosby Hops. That's where the name came from. Um, Bill, who voiced these two characters? So, uh, Crosby, uh, once again was voiced by, uh, Mark Taylor, who, uh, Mark had played a couple other, um, uh, uh, voices in some of the other Disney afternoon, uh, sh uh shows like DuckTales. And I remember a Tailspin episode, Louis' Last Stand, where there was a uh, short, diminu diminutive little executive uh, from Con Industries who wanted to find property 
to uh, try to build a business upon. So he uh, attempted to take Louis Island from him in uh, Louis's last stand. Yes. And um, but I've also seen that he's done. Uh, Mark Taylor's also done plenty of acting in his career, and he's still active. Um, and as for Thaddeus Rockwell, I have narrowed it down and found that he is voiced by John Frost. Now, John, uh, he doesn't seem to be uh, much of an uh, actor, let alone a voice actor. Um, he seems to have a lot of uh, credits on IMDb in the sound department. So perhaps um, somebody liked his voice and brought him on board to voice Rockwell. I think the voice is great. Um yeah. He is definitely a repugnant character. You're, like, you're not supposed to like Rockwell. He's a jerk. And I think um, the design really works. Um, basically, not like I said, you're not supposed to like him. I said earlier I'm not a big fan of how, you know, the house style from Disney television animation, how they design human beings. A lot of them were very over-designed with, like, a very large upper lip that almost looked like a duck's beak. Like, I wasn't a big fan of it. I feel like the human designs got better as these shows went on. Like, if you watch something like Little Mermaid, you always know the characters that were designed by the theatrical crew. As soon as a new character showed up, you're like, yeah, someone from the TV division created that character. You always knew. And you definitely get that with Thaddeus Rockwell. I feel like a little bit later down the line, this design is very similar to Donald Duck's boss, um, Ken Powers, on Quack Pack. Sure. Very yeah. similar with the big chin and the poofy hair. And you know who else I think he's he's also reminiscent of uh, body type-wise? His comic guy. Yes. Also because of the chin and the, the facial construction with the you know the upper upper duck lip and the nose. All I, I had mentioned, um I don't know if I mentioned it on Planet of the Capes, Comic Guy and all the other, you know, male characters all have the same facial construction. And that goes for Thaddeus Rockwell, too. So I definitely see Comic Guy in him as well. Um, Darkwing shows up. He gets an entrance, the second one in the episode. I am the auditor who wants to look at your books. And, you know, he wants a piece of the he wants a piece of the money, a piece of the merchandise, you know, or else he'll take his life story elsewhere. And um, so Thaddeus, you know, he asks them, how did you how did you create me? Um, you know, quote unquote, create me. How did he do it, Bill? Uh, he used a uh, he actually mailed in for a uh, an alpha wave feedback helmet mm -hmm. from the cereal box top. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> clever, clever. <laughs> and um, he tuned in, you know, it didn't work correctly. It gave him a shock and it tuned into Darkwing's dimension. And basically all he's done is basically co-op the duck's life for the cartoon show. He basically he, he listens to the stories and basically has his writers write them down and make the cartoons. At one point, he's dictating a cartoon to Crosby and says Darkwing ends up on a deserted island full of gorillas. Obviously, he's referencing Planet um, Apes of Wrath. I mean, he's right. got to be right. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Rockwell has no idea how to send Darkwing home. And he's like, hey, you know, you can live here. You know, I'll get you a pond in the park to live in. <laughs> Ooh, and, a duck pond. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, all of a sudden, who should show up on TV on the TV news but a certain sparky villain? That's Megavolt once again. Megavolt's terrified, though. Uh, he just wants to go home. Uh, Darkwing shows up, you know, 
And Megavolve's like, take me home. Come on, I need to get out of here. And Darkwing doesn't know how to get home. And he tells Megavolt, um, you know I have my own TV show here? You're in it too. Megavolt says, I know, they always draw my nose wrong. <laughs> um, There's so that they gag. Can't get... What? There's that gag again. Yeah, third time's a charm. Um, so Rockwell shows up and says, you know, if you want to go back to St. Canard, I'll give you St. Canard. His version of St. Canard is a stage show. Um, which he rationalizes is a lot easier than making a TV show every single week. Uh, so he has Darkwing and, and almost said Launchpad, he isn't in this one, <laughs> Darkwing and Megavolt on this stage show. Uh, he has Darkwing up on ropes, and Darkwing is like, I don't fly, what am I on ropes for? And Megavolt is upset because he has to throw a fake lightning bolt. He's like, why don't I use my own lightning? Um, so, so Megavolt's, you know, in a bad mood, and... Darkwing cheers up a bit when he comes up on stage and he gets this huge applause and he likes it. You know, he's all about that. Um, I love this little bit where Megavolt's just not in it. Like, he is not about this at all. He's supposed to say the line, and only I can bring its total destruction, and he's so ambivalent about it. Louder! What? Louder! (laughs) And only I can bring its total destruction! But when he revs up to throw the lightning bolt, he looks directly at the camera and blows a raspberry. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he throws the lightning bolt, hits Darkwing right in the butt. Uh, Darkwing goes flying around the stage. All these great shrieks and screams from Jim. Like, only Jim can do this kind of babbling that Darkwing's doing as he's flying around. Um, Christy Mendopolis tries to get there with his new Darkwing duck. Bless him, he's trying really hard, but um, only Jim can do that kind of blubbering. Um, so Darkwing brings down all the stage lights on top of himself, but the audience <laughs> loves it. And Rocco's like, I don't need the helmet anymore. And Darkwing realizes, the helmet, of course. Um, so what's Darkwing's plan? Well, he straps the helmet to uh, the, uh, I guess, a, a, a television antenna and tries to use that to tune the frequency of the dimension they need to get back to. Using and, jumper uh, cables. <laughs> using jumper cables to uh, Megavolt and the, uh, the electrolyzer. Right, because the electrolyzer has been stuck in his chest the entire time. He hasn't taken it off. Right. And um, so right before they go home, Megavolt makes a comment, that, you know, I can't wait to go back to terrorizing the populace. And Darkin goes, ooh, and I can't wait to go back to stopping you as always. And Megavolt goes, great Megavolt line, stopping me. Oh, that is so like you. <laughs> um, I've seen um, Jim do interviews where he praises Dan. And Jim will, in, Jim will imitate that line in like as That's close to Megavolt right. as he can. Yeah. <laughs> so hearing Jim go, that is so like you, like trying to get Megavolt's voice. That's so funny. It's, I have to find that interview. I should post it on our Facebook group. Um, but then Megavolt decides, you know, you can't stop me if you're not there. Um, so what does he do to Darkwing? He pu- pushes him off the side of the roof. <laughs> he kicks him right in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, Darkwing, uh, you know, he still grabs a gas gun, you know, connects with Megavolt's butt. They both get hit with the electricity. They both go home. Great bit of uh, animation, by the way. Loved that. Yeah, whenever Megavolt gets shocked or electricity happens or something like that, the animation's always great. Um, one final great meta reference, though. The helmet falls, hits the side of the tower, breaks a little bit. 
and Rockwell gets upset. You know, I'm ruined, I'm ruined, and runs off. What does Crosby hear? Crosby here is a couple little uh, rodents, and those are Monterey Jack and Chip from uh, Rescue Rangers. More reason for me to believe 100% that Tress was in this episode, because that's definitely her playing Chip. Absolutely. And I think this is original dialogue. This isn't taken from the show. I mean, you had Tress, you had Jim. Why not just do it? Actually, I think, yeah, it is. I think it's recreated dialogue from one of the episodes. I couldn't figure out which one. But I, I know that it's definitely from one of the episodes. And Crosby says, Rescue Rangers? Now that's a cartoon show, which is appropriate because that was another one of Tad's shows. Um, so Darkwing and uh, Megavolt come home. But they like, burst on the Herbs TV. Megavolt tries to get away through the power cords again, ends up in a lamp, gets stuck in a light bulb. Uh, Darkwing, you know, just basically unscrews the light bulb and Megavolt's trapped. It's cute. Make the little Megavolt face in the light bulb and going, help me, help me. Um, <laughs> and last thing Darkwing said, he pulls up, he pulls out a Darkwing action figure and says, I have to get to a toy company. And that's, and it's funny, that's how we end in that little action figure. Um, Jim, Rob, and John used in It's a Wonderful Leaf. The little girl was carrying the exact same Darkwing action figure in that episode. Right. Um, and that's it. That's Twitching Channels. I think it's, it's not my all-time favorite, but I still think it's on my short list of best Darkwing episodes of all time. Because yeah. what other Disney show was going to do that? Like, the idea of traveling through television, number one. But then number two, coming out in the real world and discovering you're fake, you're a TV show, and having children ask you, like, meta questions about the show, and then meeting your creator and all these... Like, DuckTales or Rescue Rangers weren't going to do that, and Tailspin definitely couldn't do that. No. <laughs> like, but Darkwing did, and it, like, did it, like, so effortlessly, too. Yeah, it actually blew my mind when I was a kid, because I've never really seen something like that done. And, uh, yeah, before I even knew what meta even meant uh, back when I was a kid, um, yeah, I thought it was just so weird. I'm, I'm like... I, I see these these humans interacting with Darkwing thinking this this is totally against mm -hmm. all all the roles. But then again, in Darkwing, there there really aren't many roles. But uh, yeah, it was it was exciting for me. I, I found it cool to to see Darkwing reacting to himself. And it, it really inflated his ego big time. I will say as great as this episode is, it's nothing compared to how they're going to stomp all over the show's canon once they bring Thaddeus Rockwell back. Like, yes. I like the, I like this one, but its sequel is one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, there are questions that arise uh, in that uh, uh, episode you're talking of, A Star is Scorned. Yeah, that one's just totally nuts. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that one. But that's an episode for another day. That's that's months from now. But um, <laughs> I love this one. And I want to give it, you know, let's let's give it a gas canister rating. Um, I'm going to give this one uh, so close to five, but I can't quite get there. I'm going to give it a four and a half because um, the concept is amazing. The writing is great. And it has so I think this might be one of the most definitive Megavolt episodes just in how he's written and how Dan's like relishing this role. Um, like, I got to give it a four and a half. How about you? Uh, well, uh, I, I'm actually going to score it pretty high myself uh, 
between the, the concept that we've already discussed, uh, the, the various voices, uh, and again, stressing that Jim and Dan are like rubber bouncing all over the place with, with, uh, their actions and reactions. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, just uh, all the little tidbits, Easter eggs, and everything. It, it was just to me one of the one of the better episodes, and uh, I'm I'm actually going to give it a five. Awesome, that's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, just like they saved they saved this one to kick off such a great batch of shows. I'm so glad this one aired when it did. Um, so that's Twitching Channels. You know, great episode. Um, moving on, our next one. Um, you know, grab your lob lolly pine and your, you know, Zeppelins, because we're going to spend some time in the Pacific Northwest with the Crimson Quackette and Honker Muddlefoot for Dances with Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's a tired. That's, quite, that's you know, that's quite a pun. Um, uh, but Dances with Bigfoot, that's our next episode. And um, Bill, for our listeners, how can they find you on social media or is it anything you want to plug? Uh, well, I'm on Facebook uh, under Bill Yudesky. Um I'm also on Twitter. Uh, I don't use it too often, but um, my handle's DJ Skies, S-K-Y-E-S. And uh, I'd also like to uh, plug a little thing out there um, for any Back to the Future fans. Uh, I've been participating for the past three months in a film recreation of the first Back to the Future film Ooh. that uh, is is fan made. Um, it's all um, done by the fans and. Uh, they're, uh, the organizers are trying to use this to uh, raise a little money for Michael J. Fox's uh, Fox Foundation uh, for Parkinson's disease. And I believe the release of that film will be at the end of October, I believe October 25th. And uh, if you want to look on YouTube, uh, it'll be available to view um, under uh, uh, BTTF Project 85. And uh, again, that'll be out um, October 25th. Yeah, uh, Back to the Future is your favorite pop culture anything, correct? Yes, uh, Disney Afternoon. That that that's a, a tender part of my uh, a, of my childhood. But uh, Back to the Future is something that resonates with me and still does to this day. So it's really close to your heart. Absolutely. And of course, we are the Saint Canard Files, a Darkwing Duck podcast. You can find us on all major podcast apps: Spotify, Stitcher, Google, um, iTunes. Um, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, um, Pandora, iHeartRadio. You can also find us on YouTube. We have, you know, we have the podcast up there along with all sorts of videos and our virtual panel we did over the summer. Um, you can also speak into your Alexa. She'll play the newest episode for you there. You can join our Facebook communities. We have a page for the podcast itself. We also have just created a fan page for just Darkwing Discussion. And um, we also have a Saturday night Zoom chat where just a bunch of Darkwing fans meet up and just hang out and talk for a few hours if you want in on that. Um, Bill's on once in a while, right, Bill? Um, I haven't been on for a while, but, you know, now that you know quarantine has ended and I'm back at work, it's been pretty busy. But I'll try to make a point to join once in a while. But if you guys want in on that, contact Will. He'll get you in there. Uh, Will Santana. And, um... Yeah, so the St. Conrad Files Darkwing Duck podcast. And, you know, we're about to sign off here. So thanks for being my guest tonight, Well, uh, Bill. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's uh, been a pleasure. Thanks again for having me, Mike. And we'll be back whenever I feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> Stay dangerous, everybody. Good night. Stay dangerous.